This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So this segment is all about debt problems from something as serious, and man, this is serious, when your bank account gets frozen, to maybe you've got an old debt that's kicking around and you haven't done anything about it. This segment is all about the resources available to you. And Blair, of course, president of BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees, Sands and Associates, no stranger to questions from people facing a debt problem or an outright emergency. So Blair, can you walk us through some high or some common high stress debt scenarios and what kind of resources uh, Sands and Associates have? So I'm, I was thinking further. So what's the first thing you generally say to someone with a debt problem or a real urgent situation who has contacted you for advice? I bet you've got a, a series of things that you go through right off the bat to see where they are. Well, absolutely, Elaine. I think the, the first thing to really let people know, and you know, almost in these words, is that they've come to the right place. So if you're finding yourself in a tough, unmanageable situation with your debts, re- reaching out to a licensed insolvency trustee is absolutely the best thing you could be doing for your financial situation, your financial health. Not going to cost you anything. It's fully confidential, and you're dealing with the most qualified professional to help you. So the first thing is just to let people know that, yes, they're with the right person that can help them with their debts. But also it's to say there's a solution to every debt problem. So it's not, you know, this is what inspires me as a trustee, is there's no situations that we can't make better. So often, you know, medical professionals, they, they you know, put all of their best efforts and the patient just may not make it. Uh, as a debt health professional, you know, the law is very clear, the rules are very clear. And if someone, you know, comes in and is completely honest and straightforward with us and we're the same in, in reverse, there's just a wonderful debt resolution option that usually can emerge and the person can feel very proud that, you know, they saw the right professional, they faced things head on, they ended up with a much better tomorrow. Uh, what people need to understand as well is they often come in and they're very ashamed about the circumstances that got them there and they're worried that they're going to be judged. And absolutely at Sands and Associates, we believe our role is not to make anybody feel worse than they already do. You know, usually the collection agents have done a great job of, of belittling folks and, and beating them down. Um, our job is not to judge, but to help people understand what they can do to get back into control, uh, to have a better tomorrow, to get out from under uh, the yoke of unmanageable debt that might have just sapped out, you know, literally their, their life force and sometimes their will to live. They can just lose all sense of hope uh, when they feel just buried by debt. I was surprised, or not surprised, but just saddened, I guess, that one of the most common um, situations that people find themselves in is a creditor is threatening to garnish their wages. Yeah, Elaine, that's probably the one that sends people running through our doors or our proverbial doors these days more so than anything else. Uh, because what that means as a wage garnishment means that after a court application, a creditor is able to take money from your wages, from your bank account, uh, or from any other income sources. Uh, so once the creditor is applied to court, it usually doesn't happen overnight. They can't just start taking, taking money right away. But there is one common exception to that, and that's Canada Revenue Agency, and they don't need a court order. 
So sometimes people can get quite surprised by suddenly having a wage garnishment from Canada Revenue Agency. Oftentimes, if it's from a typical creditor like a bank or um, you know a payday lender or things like that, there's more of a warning because they had to be served with legal documents. Uh, but that's a hugely concerning uh, type of situation because a lot of people, you know, especially in BC with the cost of living so high, you know, they're barely making ends meet with their full paycheck. And with a wage garnishment, you know, quite often it's up to 30% of their wages is going to be paid directly to the person who is owed the money, whether again a bank or whether it's Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, and there's nothing the individual can do. There's nothing the employer can do to stop that garnishment unless they get the protection from a licensed insolvency trustee. So having a wage garnishment, hugely uh, concerning situation. It's something that people generally, again, run, not walk, to see a licensed insolvency trustee to deal with. And then your second one, that uh, the, 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 a person's bank account is frozen. Oh, my gosh, that must be just horrific for people. Well, exactly right, Elaine. And sometimes, you know, there's a couple different ways your bank account can, can be frozen. You know, sometimes um, it's from your bank that you're dealing with. Let's say you've got a credit card account at Bank A, uh, and then you have some money in, in your savings account also at Bank A, and then you stop paying your credit card account. You couldn't make a payment for a couple of months. Well, and then suddenly they go into your account and they scoop out all the money and maybe they lock the account at the same time. And when you look into it, your cardholder agreement and everything you've signed with the bank, you see they actually have every right to do so. There's what's called the right of offset. So if you owe a bank money, um, you don't make payments as according to the agreement, they have the right to go into any assets you hold with that bank, like a savings account or checking account, uh, and take the money and perhaps lock the account at the same time. So you know, your solution to that is anybody who's listened to this show uh, for any length of time, we always advise people to always bank where you don't owe any money. So never get a credit card from your normal daily bank. The banks really want you to wrap everything up under one roof, but the reason for that is it makes it easier for them, but it puts you at more risk. But now your bank account can also get frozen from Canada Revenue Agency. And sometimes they'll just freeze the amount that's in there and not take the funds. Sometimes they'll take the funds. Um, but oftentimes that's just to get your attention. So where I see bank account freezes most often um, is when someone has gotten multiple years behind on taxes. Maybe they're self-employed. They're not remitting or filing GST. And CRA has exhausted all the methods of phone calls and letters. They say, well, we're going to get this person's attention by freezing their bank account. And sometimes if you deal directly with CRA, you phone them and say, okay, I'll get this filed by, by X date, and you actually make good on that, they'll often unfreeze your bank account. Um, again, a trustee can also assist, but sometimes with CRA, it's more of a compliance thing than it is just for payment. That uh, right of offset, I think, is so important, Blair. I know you've mentioned it so many times about not having a credit card with the same bank. Uh, such, mm -hmm. such a good good advice and and uh oh it can it could it would uh, save a lot of heartache at the end of the day for folks so um can we talk about if you're unsuccessful or you're still facing the cra garnishment short of leaving your job is there any solutions for folks yeah, absolutely. So when I was saying, you know, if you've got a garnishment, you come and see a trustee. And yeah, you'll come and see a trustee explain the situation for the trustee to actually stop the garnishment. Uh, you got to essentially work with the trustee to restructure your debt through either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. And for the majority of people, over two thirds, sometimes as much as three quarters of the people that we see, they're successfully able to file a consumer proposal and not have to file a bankruptcy at all. And the way a consumer proposal works, just in a nutshell here, is it consolidates all of your debts, 
puts them together into a single payment, and that payment is based on your income. It's based on what you can afford, and it's usually a whole lot less than the full amount. Usually it's maybe 30 cents in the dollar, 25 cents, 35 cents, something like that, but it's often a big discount on the total amount payable. So sometimes people come into our office just feeling, um, you know, the worst day of their lives, their wages are getting garnished, and they walk out knowing, okay, we can stop the garnishee by their next payday, we can put them on a payment plan that was a whole lot less than what they were paying before, um, and a consumer proposal by law can't extend any further than five years. So this is not the never-never plan, the decades you'll be in debt plan, this is inside of five years, you'll be back to owing nobody anything, and you're going to get your wages back, you know, essentially as soon as you sign the proposal documents, then you're protected. So absolutely, there's solutions to everything, but you've got to reach out and get the help right away. Before we get to the next common debt problem, if you already know or you or you sort of resonate with this information that we've given you so far and you need some help and some advice and some guidance, Sands & Associates, easy to get a hold of their number, 1-800-661-3030, or visit the website at sands-trustee.com. So... Um, What's the next most common debt problem uh, that you might be able to help somebody better understand? Or you will be able to help them better understand, I should say. Yeah, well, one common one that, that we hear is sometimes people say, you know, I've got all these old unpaid debts. And, you know, can they still come after me? Can they still collect from me? I've heard something about a statute of limitations. Um, does that apply? And I, I did a ton of research about this because I was quite surprised um, that it really wasn't commonly known that there is a statute of limitations on debt in the province of BC. So looking back about two or three years ago, ourselves at Sands and Associates, you know, we wrote a very detailed blog post about statute of limitations in BC, and it's now the number one ranked Google page. If you type in, you know, BC statute of limitations, um, you know, rules around debt, you'll generally be, be redirected to our blog post because there's a lot of stuff that people need to know that's just not widely made available to them because I think, well, I think, I guess I'm a bit of, uh, of a conspiracist here, that probably creditors don't want people to know that there is a statute of limitations on debts. And what that means is that there's a two-year period after the date that a debt was incurred or the date the last payment was made against it or the last time that you gave a written acknowledgement of the debt, if two years go by from any of those things happening, so if you incurred the debt, you stopped making payments, and then two years later, um, the creditor pops up and says, you know, we're going to take you to court, we're going to force you to pay. If there's been a two-year period since the last activity, the BC statute of limitations actually prohibits that creditor from taking any legal action against you. So it means they could not take you to court, they couldn't seize your wages, couldn't seize your assets, and a lot of people are shocked to hear that it's only as short as two years. A lot of people think, you know, it's six years or 10 or 20 years, or there is no limitation period, but it actually is just a two-year period. So sometimes we have people who are in our offices, they've got a lot of debt, you know, might be 10 or 15 years old, and we can explain to them, you know, there is a statute of limitations. Now, it doesn't solve all of your problems because it doesn't mean that you don't owe this money anymore, and it doesn't prevent them from calling you, from sending you letters, from demanding payments, but it does mean that legally you don't have any risk that you're ever going to be forced to pay this debt. Blair, and I know that I know there's a, a quite a good section here that you wanted to talk about concerning vehicles, but boy, oh boy, I'd really love to focus on the solutions because I, I think this is the this is sort of the light at the end of a dark tunnel for folks if they're sitting. Oh my gosh, I'm, I fit all this criteria. What do I do now? So can we go about uh, to the the how how you can consolidate with bad debt? How can I apply to have debt written off and forgiven? Because uh, this mm -hmm. is really the 
the light for folks? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great way for us to, to finish up in our last minute or so. A lot of people, they look at the debt consolidation as, you know, the number one option for them that's going to help them out by putting all their debts together and saving on some of the interest. But a lot of people find they're not able to get approved for debt consolidation unless they're getting a co-signer or pledging some assets. So what the better solution in a lot of situations is to investigate a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal is going to give you all the benefits of a consolidation, but with some big differences, meaning zero interest, not a reduced interest, literally zero, no need to borrow any money, no need to ever get a co-signer involved, and a consumer proposal is actually going to reduce the debt to what you can afford. So quite often, 30 to 50% payment is all that's going to get uh, repaid, and all the fees, all the costs, everything is included inside of that repayment. So I always say it's the best debt solution you might have never heard of, and any of these warning signs that we've talked about, a consumer proposal could face them head on. Excellent. I just want to throw into your website. You talked about your blog. Your website is just just filled with such good information, good questions, good answers, easy to understand, great place for folks to start. And book your free confidential debt consultation. Here's the phone number again, 1-800-661-3030 or visit sands-trustee.com. So this segment is going to give you all the signs that you need to know that it's time to tackle your debt problems. Although lots of people have debt repayment factored into their factored into their monthly budget and consider debt part part of their financial affairs, Blair is going to be talking about the signals that may indicate a better plan is needed to deal with your debt efficiently. So if you're waiting for a sign to shift focus and tackle your debt for good, this is it. So Blair, your team at Sands and Associates help people across the province uh, who are looking for advice and solutions for dealing with their debt. And in your experience, have most people waited too long to get professional help? I would say definitely, Elaine, just about everybody that I meet with, they've suffered more than they had to suffer and for a longer period than they had to be suffering because they were just scared. They just didn't know there was a solution. They may have felt ashamed about the situation they found themselves in. It's never too late to connect with a licensed insolvency trustee. You're going to get professional insights on how to manage your debt, uh, but doing it earlier, you know, the first step of when you start to have a bit of uncertainty about your debt is definitely going to be better than waiting until, you know, the collection calls are just incessant, uh, if you're getting served notices of legal actions, or perhaps your wages are being taken. So definitely uh, seeking advice early is something that people would benefit from. Uh, in terms of signs of when you think it's time to get serious about getting out of debt, uh, there's a couple right off the top that are really clear, kind of red blinking lights um, that, you know, perhaps you'd benefit from having a good conversation right away. And the first one is if you don't know who you owe or how much you owe. You don't have a, a good sense of your financial picture. Um, and if you're not sure of, of account balances, uh, you might not even know if your creditors are taking legal action against you, um, you know, pursuing you in court or things like that. So it's just really important. Uh, if you don't have a sense of your financial health, um, you know, you're probably not trending in a good direction. So figuring out who you owe and how much you owe to each, that's something just step one that we can even start within our first consultation is, hey, let's work together. Let's pull a credit report let's start to get a sense uh, of the financial picture and then see what we're dealing with from a problem point of view. What's the next one that people, and it's kind of hard to believe that, that you, you wouldn't know how much you owe and, and all of that to me, but I'm sure that that happens for folks before we get to number two. 
Yeah, more often than you would, you would think, Elaine, and, and oftentimes it's said with, you know, just a sense of defeatist, like, I just know it's a bad number, so I don't even mm-hmm. want to know the exact number. I've got a stack of mail I haven't opened, and you know, sometimes there's even legal notices in there that should have been opened. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's never a comfortable situation, and usually if someone doesn't know what they owe, it's usually there's a bunch of stuff um, that, that, that they do owe. It's not generally something comes like, oh, you don't owe anything, anybody anything. That generally doesn't happen. There's a bunch right. of stuff they just perhaps lost track of. Fair. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so what's the next thing that you, you you advise people to do or you help them do? Yeah, well, another big, big warning sign. So if you don't know who you owe, that's, that's a big one. Okay, let's, let's start to have a conversation. A second one is if you've got a bunch of unfiled tax returns. So whether you owe money or not, it's hugely important that you stay on top of filing your taxes every year. Um, Canada Revenue Agency views it as essentially the price of civilization of being part of this society is you have to file your taxes every year. You know, you might not be able to pay them, but filing the returns is a very important part. Um, and if you delay filing your returns, you're generally not going to be any better off. You know, the, the tax that is only going to grow because there's going to be accruing interest and they're also going to add late filing penalties on top of that. Um, and then CRA, you know, owing CRA money is one thing, but it's a much worse situation to be a non-filer. CRA will actually go after non-filers uh, oftentimes more aggressively than those who have filed everything up to date, who stayed in touch with them, and have just said, you know, this is a big balance, I'm not sure what to do. They'll give that person a whole lot more leeway than the person who might be 5 or 7 or 10 or even 20 years I've seen, you know, delinquent in filing taxes. So if you're really holding off on filing taxes or haven't done so in years, that's another big warning sign that you might need some financial help to get back on track. And how often does CRA these days uh, accrue the interest? Like how are they, is it on a daily, a weekly, a monthly? Mm -hmm. How is that done these days? It's daily. So generally it's on a daily basis. Now uh, with COVID, they've been, you know, quite lenient and have given some breaks on amount sowing. But if it was amount sowing before COVID, there's not a break on that. And certainly in the future there won't be, but yeah, interest and amounts can compound daily with CRA. Okay, good. To, that's good to know. And that would be a motivation, too, for folks to, to know that and have that clearly in their mind before they decide to delay any further on this. So before we continue, exactly. if, yeah, and, bef- and as we, before we continue, if you already know that you need to do something, that if some of this is resonating with you, it's time to give Sands and Associates that call. It's 1-800-661-3030 and get started. And there's a whole complement of professionals that can help you figure this out and how to move forward in the best way possible for you. So what else should we be considering, Blair, when it comes to assessing our debt? Well, I think it's important to not only think about how much do you owe, but who do you owe? And are there certain types of debts that are more high risk than others? And there's certainly two that I want to call out, specifically is what I've called high risk creditors. Um, the first one, and we were just talking about this a little bit, but it's government debt. So you filed the returns, you end up owing them money, but it could be for income taxes, it could be for business, GST, even if you've got an incorporated business, if you are the director, you can be held accountable for the GST. It could be payroll debts, uh, even past MSP, MSP premiums. But the reason why government debt um, is such high-risk debt uh, is the government can shortcut just about every collection activity. Um, they can surprise you pretty quickly with some pretty severe remedies. So any other creditor that wants to come and take your wages or take your assets, they have to hire lawyers, serve you with documents, take you to court, win in court, and then get uh, a payment order after that. That's a bunch of steps and a bunch of costs. Uh, if it's the government, you might not even know there's a pending action until it's already in place. They don't need to go to court. They can just take these dramatic actions of seizing assets or seizing wages. So if there are is some government debt that you're dealing with, that's definitely one of those high-risk creditors. 
Uh, the other high-risk predator that we tend to see as, as a really red flag of someone that's going to need our help uh, is a payday loan, or now what they've often transitioned into is installment loans, which are just like payday loans with very high interest, but they're for a whole lot more money, sometimes up to $20,000 uh, at a very high interest rate of, you know, sometimes it's 29%, sometimes it's 39 or even 49%. So very high interest, whether it's payday loans or installment loans, when we start to see those with individuals, we realize that's a big warning sign that something is not going according to plan because nobody can carry uh, any significant amount of debt at that amount of interest and still be financially okay in the near future. I know that one of the pieces that you want to talk about in this segment is why people are borrowing or why you're borrowing money. And that's really almost like a pause in the in the situation for me. I think, okay, if I'm asking myself why, boy, oh boy, I'm I'm almost ready to start to take some action to resolve the issues. Yeah, it's really important to really dig to the underlying cause. And in some cases, you can really point out, you understand things were going fine, and there was some shock to the system that just happened. You know, the person got sick, or their spouse got sick, or a family member got sick. You know, that that's a pretty clear one. Well, now there's less income or more expenses. Um, you know, sometimes there's gambling or addictions. Um, sometimes there's a job loss or a layoff. So then we know, you know, we can understand why the borrowing is there. But oftentimes what happens when we really dig into it with clients is we can see, well, this just happened that the debt built up over time because of an imbalance of the cost of living versus the income that was coming in. So unless we look detailed at the budget, really figure out a new structure for going forward, we're not going to stop this debt problem from reoccurring because it wasn't one issue. It was just a monthly, a structural type of thing where the person was just overspending a few hundred dollars a month, multiply that by years and add some interest on top of it, um, then a lot of people will end up in a tough situation. Um, You've also got to consider, too, you know, the why you're borrowing, who you're borrowing from. And if you're dealing with a payday lender, as we said, you know, it's very high risk. But if you're also considering, well, you know, maybe I'm going to borrow from friends or family uh, or get a cosign or something like that, um, definitely that should cause you to, t- to take a pause, have a discussion with a trustee, because adding a cosigner to your debts, in my experience, 100 out of 100 times, it's a bad decision. So I definitely recommend people get some, get some advice before they consider doing that. And this segment wouldn't be complete without talking about credit cards. Yes, that's right. And the minimum payment trap. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what where I come at it with, with minimum payments, uh, Elaine, um, is that what I really want people to understand is that minimum payments are not designed to get you out of debt. Um, they're designed to keep you in debt as long as possible. Um, and it's just crazy when you start to run some numbers. And we're not talking about extreme credit card debt. You know, of course, $100,000 is going to take forever to pay off. But hey, $6,000 of credit card debt could have you in debt for 40 years of just making minimum payments for zero years, and you would have paid that back multiple times over. Um, so if you're just stuck on making the minimum payments, that's actually one of the number one warning signs that sends people to see us is when people look at their statements, look at the minimum payments, there's the disclosure that's going to take you X number of years to pay things off, and they realize they're really struggling even to make those minimums, so trying to pay more than that is just going to be difficult for them. So just be very careful if you think you're in good shape because you're making all your minimums your credit rating might look great, you're probably never going to get out of debt unless you do something different. I know that late payments is also something that you really want people to look at before they kind of go as deep as they possibly could on. 
Well, you want to be careful and you want to be organized as much as you can. If you're able to make the payment, you know, making it on time is better than not making it on time, of course. But sometimes people don't always think about, you know, late penalty fees that can add up even if your payment is just a day or two late. Um, sometimes an increase in an interest rate. So there might be a promotional interest rate uh, or, you know, a best client interest rate and you miss a couple payments and suddenly, well, now you're, you've got more expenses uh, than you had otherwise anticipated. Uh, and then what people are usually pretty focused on is notations on your credit history. So if you start to miss payments, usually one payment isn't going to do a whole lot. But after two or three or more missed payments, you could expect that lender is going to start dinging your credit. Uh, and that's really going to frustrate if you're trying to get yourself back on track and, you know, maybe trying to qualify for consolidation loan. Even one account that you consistently pay late can really take you off of that path. We've just got about a minute and a half or so uh, left in this segment, and I know that debt plans are really important and that you like to talk about them and the importance of them to folks. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing about debt plans is just to have one. You know, just to have a sense of, okay, I've got a certain amount of debt and here's my, here's my method. Here's my, my go forward plan on how I'm going to get that down to zero. And sometimes people come into us, they feel completely hopeless in the first meeting saying, there's no way I'm ever going to be debt free. And then inside of 30 to 45 minutes, sometimes a little less or a little bit more, uh, we can say, well, here's two paths, a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. They're absolutely going to get you to debt free by a defined time using a defined set of, of provisions within the law. Uh, and most people are just overjoyed to suddenly have something that they can focus on, they can move towards. And even if it's not a formal debt resolution plan, there's a lot of things informally that you can do. A lot of uh, online calculators you can work out for repayments. Um, and you can even consider doing just some quick math, um, you know, looking at your total debts. If it was, say, $10,000, dividing that by 60 payments, is that a payment that you could afford? And if it is, okay, that's could be the size of your debt management plan because over a five-year term, that's what you're going to have to pay back. But if you take your debts and divide it by 60 and it's just totally unaffordable um, in your monthly budget, that's a great warning sign. You should be seeing a licensed insolvency trustee. And if you've got more questions, things that we haven't answered in this segment, go to the website, sans-trustee.com. It's chock-a-block full of great questions and lots of answers. Or give them a call, 1-800-661-3030 for that first free sit-down. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. So this segment is really defining, clearly defining what a licensed insolvency trustee is. So this is somebody you want to talk to. If you're looking for professional advice or options on how to better manage your debt, or if you're struggling with debt stress, creditor collections, or threats, Blair Manton from Sands and Associates is your guys, a licensed insolvency trustee, as well as a, a senior guy with Sands and Associates, a president with Sands and Associates. <laughs> so, so Blair, what do licensed insolvency trustees do? And these are for folks who have never heard of them before. And how, and how do Sands and Associates um, solve these problems as well as other debt problems? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question, Elaine. So if, if people are wondering, hey, is a bankruptcy trustee and a licensed insolvency trustee the same thing? Essentially, yes. So up until 2017, the profession of a trustee in bankruptcy or bankruptcy trustee was required to refer to themselves just as that, as a trustee in bankruptcy or bankruptcy trustee. But in 2017, the government realized, well, most of our bankruptcy trustees, a minority of what they do is actually filing bankruptcy. The majority of what they do is helping people avoid bankruptcy altogether with things like consumer proposals. So they changed the term uh, to say every trustee needs to refer to themselves as a licensed insolvency trustee, really taking 
that bankruptcy word away because it's only a small part of what we do. And it was something there was a little bit of fear in the marketplace, too. People were a bit scared to reach out to a bankruptcy trustee thinking, well, that means I'm bankrupt and there's no other options. When oftentimes we were the best person someone could see if they're running into a tough time with their situation. So a licensed insolvency trustee is the professional in Canada that's legally empowered to help Canadians with solutions available through Canadian legislation to eliminate their debt. So we're the only people that can help uh, with government debts, with any debts related, um, you know, to a GST or student loans, as well as your typical, you know, credit cards, uh, lines of credit, payday loans, uh, so on and so forth. Now, you might see if you're researching online, there's a bunch of different consultants and advisors that might claim they can help you with your debt. But you need to understand that a licensed insolvency trustee is literally the only professional that's licensed and uh, regulated by the Canadian government to actually help you get out of debt. So there's a bit of buyer beware, but if you're dealing with an LIT, you know you're in good hands right from the start. So, Blair, can we ask when or when could or when should somebody contact a licensed insolvency trustee? Certainly, Elena, and that's what I'm so excited about doing this show for the years that we've done it is I'm hoping that we're really getting to the point where people are going to start to reach out sooner than them suffering for years flailing about, which is often what happens. So the time to reach out to a licensed insolvency trustee is when you're starting to have a little bit of uncertainty about your debts, um, you're really not sure about your way forward, um, and you can get some really good guidance to avoid a worse situation. Now, the time when most people do reach out to a licensed insolvency trustee is when they're already experiencing some pretty serious collection difficulties. Uh, They might have some wage garnishments, but there's no need to wait until your situation has reached a really dire period. Uh, We help people manage their regular debt payments, work out their budgets. Um, And if it's a situation where we look at your budget and you're going to be in debt, you know, for years or decades to go, if we just keep doing what you're doing there, we can help you make informed choices on how you can actually move forward to get out of debt once and for all um, and not with a plan that's going to be, you know, have you in debt for for decades to come. Something's going to help you turn the page much more quickly than that. So it's pretty crucial that folks, uh, whether you're an individual or a business owner, have the opportunity to make really informed choices on how to resolve their financial difficulties. Well, that's exactly right. And what's exciting about my job, Elaine, is no two meetings are the same because people always have a different set of challenges, a different set of circumstances. So sometimes I'll have a meeting where I'm just giving some general debt advice, um, you know, addressing concerns with specific creditors. You know, what's this person likely to do? Is this term going to apply to me? How? And, and you know, that's fine. Uh, sometimes it's a broader sense that, well, let's assess the entire personal or business financial situation. Uh, let's look at if, is the business performing on a, on a monthly basis the household doing okay? Uh, And then what are the available options given the circumstances? Uh, When you meet with a licensed insolvency trustee, you don't need any referrals. You don't need to go see an accountant or a financial planner or a lawyer or anybody else first. You can just come direct uh, to see a licensed insolvency trustee. um, And the meetings provide a huge amount of value to the individual, but they're always at no cost. So when you sit down for a consultation at Sands and Associates with one of our LITs, you're never going to be charged a fee. It's going to be completely confidential. You're just going to leave. There was some really good information um, on what are your options to move forward to get out of debt once and for all. So I just want to throw this in here at this moment, Blair. It's like if you're already thinking, okay, I'm in a situation where I need some assistance. I need some help. I need to sit down with somebody and figure out next steps. This is the way to do it. Give Sands and Associates a call, 1-800-661-3030. So, Blair, can we talk about your qualifications? 
or Kathy, <laughs> and how you're all set, educated. Man, I know that you're incredibly well educated. A and it's a very specialized education to be able to help people and, and take on their debt situations. That's exactly right, Elaine. So, you know, not tooting my own horn here by any means, but becoming a licensed insolvency trustee, it's a long road. It's a vigorous road. Um, and a lot of people that set out on that road, unfortunately, don't, don't uh, continue all the way to the conclusion. Um, you know, most of the professional exams, it's about a 50% pass rate. It's just a lot of material. Uh, and the government really wants to be careful if they're going to issue a trustee license to somebody. There's a lot of power associated with a trustee's license, a lot of power to allow someone to get their life back, to get out from under the thumb of creditors, even if that credit is the government. Um, so the government's going to make sure anyone they license as a trustee, you know, is of good character, good professional background and reputation, and isn't going to do anything that's going to bring the profession into disrepute because, you know, reputation and integrity of the system is just so important. So there's only a thousand licensed insolvency trustees in Canada. Um, at Sands and Associates, we have seven, uh, and that's actually a big number within, within the province here. Um, and we're all regulated under the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy, which is part of Industry Canada. And what you have to do to become a licensed insolvency trustee is, first off, most licensed insolvency trustees um, have an accounting degree or a business degree as a background. That's myself. I've got a business administration degree, uh, focused on international business and strategic management. And then I'm also a certified management consultant. And then those credentials allowed me to start the trustees program, to start the first step of it. Uh, when I went through the program, it was about four years of detailed exams, of study, um, and then finally culminates in the multi-day final exam. Uh, and an oral exam in front of the superintendent of bankruptcy, a judge, a lawyer. It's a rather nerve-wracking type of thing, uh, but it's really just testing, you know, do you have the ability to serve the public well? Uh, so I qualified as a trustee in 2008, one of the most proud professional days of my life for certain. And all of this to say that if you're dealing with a trustee, it's not someone who's printed a license off of the internet or gotten, uh, you know, a mail-away degree or something like that. This is someone that has had to jump through a ton of hoops with the government and is very protective of that license that doesn't want to get it taken away so you know you're going to be dealing with someone who does things by the book is very ethical and is going to help you get the solution that you need and and in winding up this segment blair can we talk about the people uh other than the licensed insolvency trustees that you have working at sands and associates because it's a really full complement of professionals mm -hmm. specifically uh trained and able to handle all kinds of situations yeah, absolutely, Elaine. It's a full team, and with Sands and Associates, we're the largest in the province, so our, our team is larger than most other firms. Um, you know, we've got a, a suite of qualified counselors, so for everyone that has to file a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, um, they're required to attend two financial counseling sessions, and I say required because, yeah, it's a requirement, but most people are only too happy to attend these sessions to get some really good information about rebuilding their credit, and people call me years later saying, hey, the counseling really put me on a good path, really helped me get to the point where now I'm saving money, have rebuilt my credit, so on and so forth. So we've got a ton of experienced, qualified insolvency counselors. Uh, we have insolvency estate managers and administrators as well. So the way that I would uh, kind of analogize this is if you're, say, at the doctor or the dentist's office, um, you know, the doctor might be the trustee, and then you've got the nurse practitioner or the hygienist, all the people that support the trustee and can do, you know, 89 to 90% um, of, of the work, but then work under the supervision of a trustee. So we've got a large team of very experienced professionals who work under the supervision of trustees. And when you meet with Sands and Associates, 
associates right from the start. Um, you'll know who you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. You'll know who's your estate manager, who's your trustee, uh, your counselor, so on and so forth. And those faces typically don't change. So we know it's a great experience if someone can have the same um, you know, relations with a professional throughout their entire um, administration with us. And with offices all over British Columbia, uh, there's lots of opportunity for folks to go to Sands and Associates. I also want to mention your website, sands-trustee.com. And if you'd like to set up your first appointment and, and get things started and see the, see your path forward in this, 1-800-661-3030 for that first free consultation, as well as to find an office near you. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. So you know you have a problem, you have an issue, a debt issue, and you want to take some action. In this segment, we're going to look at the various solutions and processes, the plans to help you get out of debt. So how is the average person supposed to know which debt management option is right for you? Well, dealing with too much debt and navigating pre-repayment strategies is super overwhelming. So Blair, what are most people's basic options to get some structure? Because I think that seems like it's the key to some structure in paying off their debts. Well, definitely, Elaine. You know, most people that we speak with, you know, they've been doing things on their own, whether it's, you know, a DIY approach or they're just managing independently. But once you have, you know, a number of debts to try to keep track of and maybe different dates and different interest rates and terms, it can get complicated pretty quick. Um, you know, if you're trying to streamline your multiple debt payments into a single payment, if you're trying to make your monthly payments a whole lot more affordable, and if you're trying to get to a situation where you have a date in the future where you know I can be debt-free by this date, you absolutely do need a plan to get there. And again, you can try to do it under your own steam. And some of the things we're going to talk about today, they're largely, you know, driven by the individual. Some of them, they're driven completely by working with a professional license, like a licensed insolvency trustee. Uh, and others are driven by professionals that, you know, typically I would recommend that the uh, consumers really give a second thought to before they consider going down that path. So we're going to talk about all of these options today. Uh, the first option that I think we should cover is probably the number one thing that comes to people's minds when they find themselves, you know, juggling multiple debts, multiple interest rates in different terms is, well, let's put all this together. Let's get a consolidation loan. And there's a number of ways to do this, but most of the time people look at this as a borrowing option where you're going to approach a bank. It might be an existing bank or a new bank and say, you know, I I owe money to five different people. Why don't you pay all of those five people off? And I'm just going to pay you back bank as a consolidated loan. And ideally, if you had higher interest rates and all those other debts, the bank is going to charge you a little bit lower interest rates and you're going to be better off from there. That's the theory behind it. Now, the practice is that, unfortunately, when you're qualifying for a borrowing option like a consolidation loan, it can be pretty difficult to get the bank comfortable um, that you're going to be a really good credit risk and actually pay off the consolidation loan because they're going to go and pay off all of your other debts and they're going to depend on you to pay them back 100% of what they're owed. So quite often, people that I meet with, they say, yeah, we went to the bank, they wanted to do a consolidation loan, but the only way they do it is if I had my parents sign as a co-signer or maybe I had my spouse or a friend or something like that. And it's almost always a bad idea because what's happened is you've now enlarged the problem where it was just between you and the bank. You've given them an extra set of pockets to dig into. And if it ends up in a situation where you can't pay that debt in the future, what happens with liability in BC is it's joint and several, which means that the person that co-signed, they're not going to be held accountable for, you know, 50-50 or if there were three people, they're held accountable for a third of the debt. 
it's everyone would be accountable for 100% of the debt. So if you don't pay, your co-signer could be held on the line for 100% of what they're owed, which usually most people don't contemplate and can lead to some very difficult situations. So consolidation loan is definitely something people think about, but oftentimes the practicalities behind it can make it less of an ideal option. It feels like right now we're getting bombarded with uh, credit counseling debt management plans and all kinds of commercials and in the paper, et cetera, on this is the way to go. And how, how do they measure up? Well, and that's the one that I recommend people really do their research before they start to go down the road of working with a credit counselor and really benchmark what a credit counselor can offer you with a debt management plan compared to other options. Because what a credit counselor can do for you is, first off, nothing with government debt. The government doesn't work with credit counselors, never has and never will. But with any non-government debt, a credit counselor can usually work out a deal with your creditors where they'll agree to an interest freeze um, and they'll give you up to five years to pay off the balance in full, which, you know, sounds good, but you're still repaying 100% of your debt, and you're also going to be paying some credit counselor fees on top of it. Uh, What's really important for people to know is that there's no regulation, no set qualifications. It's essentially a very unregulated industry when you're dealing with a credit counselor, and your creditors have the ability to opt out of that repayment plan at any time. There's nothing that legally binds them towards that. So even assuming your creditors wanted to work with a credit counselor um, and they don't opt out of the repayment plan, the challenge also can be that it can just be unaffordable. You know, stopping the interest is one thing, but you still got to pay back all of that principal. Um, And anytime that you stop the interest, your credit rating does take a hit. So when we compare a credit counseling plan to what we're going to talk about next is a consumer proposal, we realize, well, the credit rating impact is almost the same, but in a consumer proposal, we can actually reduce the debt significantly. So it's a huge difference people need to investigate before they sign on to a credit counseling plan. Now, if you know already know that you want to give Sands and Associates a call and get started because you because this has resonated with you, the phone number is 1-800-661-3030. So consumer proposals, Blair, how do they work? And, and this is your wheelhouse. Well, absolutely. And let's just compare it and contrast it with what we were just talking about. It's a credit counseling debt management plan. So that's where you pay everything off in full, but you pay no interest and you pay some fees on top of that. With a consumer proposal, big difference, you don't pay everything off in full. You pay what you can afford, typically in the range of 30 to 50% of the debt, could be a little bit less or a little bit more. But that's a huge difference, right? Imagine paying off 30 cents on the dollar compared to 100 cents on the dollar. Uh, with both methods, you don't pay any interest. There's no interest charged in the consumer proposal. But also, all of the professional fees are included in a consumer proposal. So if it's determined you can pay off 35% of the debt, what you pay off is exactly 35% of the debt. You don't pay anything extra to the trustee. There's something that goes up or down based on fees or your income. So it gives you a lot of certainty and it's a much lower cost typically than a credit counselor's plan would be. And it's fully government sanctioned, can deal with every debt, including government debt and student loans. So just about every client, when I sat down with them, we've we've reviewed a credit counseling plan versus a consumer proposal. They said, well, why would anybody ever choose a credit counseling plan? I said, I agree with you. The challenge is, as you mentioned, Elaine, it's just the marketing. It's very extreme. It's out there. It's greatly outspends what I can afford to spend. Um, but, you know, it, it's really tough sometimes to compete with that. So we just one client at a time, educate them about the differences. 
Well, and I think that's why this show works well for you, Blair, because we're explaining, you're, you're getting an opportunity to explain how these things work and talk about people that you've helped and how you've helped them and their situation and it really resonates with folks. So with the consumer proposals, a licensed insolvency trustee looks after as well as bankruptcy. And I know that that can also be an option for people. Yeah, bankruptcy is your last resort for sure. Um, but a lot of people think of bankruptcy as the end of the story. And the way I encourage people to think about it is, no, this is your new beginning. Um, so in situations where a proposal might not be affordable, so I was speaking to somebody yesterday uh, who's a realtor uh, in the Lower Mainland, has had a tough time for a few years, um, owes about $78,000 plus about five years of unfiled tax returns. When we added it all up, you know, even her paying back, you know, 30 cents on the dollar for $150,000, that's a lot to pay back based on her income at present. So in her situation, a bankruptcy was a much better option because bankruptcy is completely based on your income. And in her situation, it was going to allow her to pay back, you know, just under $3,000. And that would result in all of the debt being discharged, you would be able to move forward. So bankruptcy is a last resort, but it's not a never situation. It's in some situations, it's something that can really help to get the situation back on track, get the fresh start and move forward from there. Now, I know we've just got a little bit of time left, but some details that people should consider on whether a plan might work for their situation. And I know you've got this in a nutshell. Well, I think the most important thing is to understand which debts are covered and how much are you going to have to repay. So if you know it's going to deal with all of your situation and you can afford it, that's probably some good indications that it's going to be a good fit for yourself. If it's not going to solve the entire problem and it's not seeming very affordable, keep looking around because guaranteed there's going to be a better solution out there. Excellent. And check the website for Sands and Associates at sands-trustee.com or give them a call. They've got offices all over British Columbia. 1-800-661-3030. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.